0: All right, here I am again, coming to you live from my in-law's garage. (laughs) Very glamorous life. Hey, if you ever find yourself in Rome, say, it's a much more glamorous spot than, well, my in-law's garage. You may want to check out What a Life Tours. I have no idea if they're actually good at tours, but I figure since I found this interesting fact about Julius Caesar on their website that I'm sharing with you word for word, that I should probably give them a plug. And I quote, Julius Caesar was no doubt a ladies' man. His first marriage was to Cornelia, she was a hottie I hear, in eighty four BC, followed by Pompeia, ow, in sixty-seven BC. But his final but his final wife was the teenage Calpurnia, to whom he was married from fifty-nine BC until his death. Some historians say that Caesar may have had other mistresses and even male lovers, so it is hard to put an exact number on his relationship count. However, the most notorious and perhaps scandalous was his relationship with the Queen of Egypt, Cleopatra. This power couple met after Caesar... Power couple? Yeah, you could say that. They met after Caesar chased down his enemy, Pompey, to Egypt. There, Caesar and Cleopatra formed a mutually beneficial relationship full of wealth and military power. I'm not sure, this may have been the first or the most famous Friends with Benefits a relationship in history. So that's exciting. There, Caesar supposedly, oh wait, not long after Cleopatra gave birth to a son named Caesarian, undoubtedly named after the famous and beloved dictator of whom this entire post is about. Following unrest in Alexandria, Cleopatra and Caesarian fled to Rome for protection. There, Caesar supposedly erected golden statues of the queen and never denied his paternity of Caesarian. However, it is unknown if their love affair actually continued in Rome, as it certainly wasn't admirable for Caesar to have a foreign lover, especially when he was already married. Cleopatra and her son went back to Egypt following his assassination. There, Caesarion would ultimately be killed by Caesar's great nephew and heir Octavian. And to think you thought your family was crazy. I bet Caesar never had to do a podcast episode from his in law's garage, though. Greetings and welcome to the Teaching ALA podcast where this summer we combine my two favorite things, literature and summer vacation. Get ready for some literary quotes. We all know from our last podcast episode, which was actually several weeks ago since I've been doing reruns, summer, you know. We all know it anyway since Julius Caesar was assassinated, that he should have beware the Ides of March. If not for his pride getting in the way, Mr. Caesar was quite aware of how to gain and wield his power. Although unaware of Brutus's upcoming betrayal, he was aware of the dangers Cassius posed. Cassius was jealous and concerned about what he saw at the Capitol. And Cassius quotes, Why, man, he doth bestride the narrow world like a colossus, and we petty men walk under his huge legs and peep about to find ourselves dishonorable graves. I love this quote. Cassius vents his worry about Caesar's growing power to Brutus. He compares Caesar to Colossus, a giant statue of the Greek god Apollo, which reportedly spanned the harbor entrance at Rhodes and was tall enough to allow ships to pass between its legs. As long as Caesar is in power, Cassius claims, men like him and Brutus will be petty and destined for dishonorable deaths. This is such a great image. You can just picture the petty humans walking about the feet of this giant statue just peeping about. Peep 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 Caesar was aware of the threat that Cassius represented, and we quote from Julius himself Let me have men about me that are fat. Sleek headed men and such as sleep a nights, Yon Cassius has a lean and hungry look. He thinks too much, such men are dangerous. Caesar astutely characterizes Cassius. He is aware of the threat he poses. Cassius' description ironically fits Mark Antony as well, for after Caesar's death, Antony shows himself to be lean and hungry indeed. If you're looking for a lesson plan that makes these quotations pop, (laughs) that's right, let's make these quotations pop, yo, then teach imagery. Two-column chart. Image in the left column, analysis in the right column. Let me share with you some examples uh, that I already shared, actually. We have the image of uh, Colossus' uh, image, statue of... I've of Apollo that towered over the port of Ro- Rhodes. And uh, this sight image highlights both Caesar's standing and Cassius's his, his inferiority complex. So we can see some of Cassius's motivation in the assassination. The other quotation we've read, let me have men about me that are fat. Caesar uses the image of fat, lazy, comfortable men, happy to be in his presence as the type of counselors he desires. Those with ambition he'd rather not have around. In short, Caesar wants yes men. In our final image, those that with haste will make a mighty fire, begin it with weak straws. What trash is Rome? What rubbish and what awful when it serves for the base matter to illuminate so vile a thing as Caesar? So tell us how you really feel, Cassius. He uses the image of fire comparing uh, to the common Roman citizen as weak straws, rubbish, and base matter. In other words, Caesar is illuminated by the lowest in Roman society. This symbolic fire roars after Caesar's death, sweeping Antony into power. And my uh, battery's running out here, so... <laughs> uh, that would be awkward if this podcast just ended suddenly. That's pop- I think there's a good life lesson here, don't you? Caesar had good, has good reason to worry about Cassius, and if Cassius was his only threat, he would have survived the assassination plot. It's the threats he couldn't see that lead to his death. Those threats include his best friend Brutus and other, and I quote, noble Romans. So what are we overlooking as we prepare for the upcoming school year? We can prepare for known threats, but how are we preparing for the unknown? What habits are we establishing in the classroom that will help us recognize and distinguish classroom problems? I did a podcast episode long ago on the one habit that changed my career, by the way. I recommend you go back and listen to it. I've got a warning for you. If you don't have good lesson plans, your class might be a disaster. That's why I have two resources for you in the show notes. If you're looking to make your summer, I guess summer is kind of coming to an end, your summer might be over, a little more productive, or perhaps you want to free up some time and not take the metaphorical knife to the back in the fall. We've got great news. I've created a course specifically designed for ELA teachers on how to create a semester's worth of lesson plans in just a few days. So imagine having all your lesson plans done for the entire first semester, or even the entire year, on the first day of school. (laughs) Put together a collection of Julius Caesar lesson plans over at ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com. Of course, you can find more than just Julius Caesar lesson plans. I got a whole bunch of stuff. Here are some takeaways: Here, Cassius and Julius Caesar are both astute politicians who sometimes ignore sound advice and accept bad advice. Takeaway number two: We all know Caesar dies, so why do we enjoy why do we enjoy the play so much? It's because of Shakespeare's ability to use the English language with purpose. And three: What habits are you cultivating to make sh- to make you ready for the unseen dangers that lurk? In the classroom. Dun, dun, dun. Thanks for listening to the Teaching ELA Podcast. For more teacher ready, student ready lesson plans, head on over to elacommoncorelessonplans.com. That's elacommoncorelessonplans.com where we have hundreds of lesson plans and handouts that are ready to use right now. And as always, if this podcast has helped you thrive in the classroom, we'd appreciate a like and a review.